will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You, the podcast that, homeopathically speaking, contains all the knowledge in the universe. Joining me this evening to uh, spread that knowledge and dilute it far and wide, we have Mr. Dave Convery, Senior Cabinet Minister for Rambunctiousness. Mr. H.J. Doom, who is currently working on a six-volume biography of H.R.H. Prince Louis. He's a lot duller than you'd expect. I, of course, am Roger Hart, a little bit like Sophocles if you squint and have a head injury. And if you would like to ask us for advice, you can write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or on the internet at hauntedphonograph.com. Our question tonight pertains to capital and its distribution. Dear We Will Fix You, Like most people, I have completely lost faith in both capitalism and democracy over the last couple of years, and I feel like I should be doing my bit to smash the system and replace it with something more functional like a magic eight ball or a stack of fortune cookies. Thanks to some really excellent life choices, I have plenty of time on my hands, and so could, in theory, put together some kind of revolutionary cell to work to bring down the government. Or at the very least, I could organise some kind of demonstration. The problem is that I don't really play well with others. I'm quite agoraphobic and find speaking to humans a real chore. Is there some way that I could do my part to bring down our failing state on behalf of the people without having to deal with the people themselves? Yours, the unpopular front. Quite the dilemma. Mm. This is this is an interesting one. The problem of a, of a lone individual or relatively few individuals trying to bring down a state um, from the comfort of their Spider-Man pyjamas is a pretty classic case study in asymmetric warfare. States are large, bound by conventions, and slow to act. Their enforcement mechanisms typically lag behind the bleeding edge of technology, for example, be it corporate or collective, such as open source. Um, see, for example, the absurdity of the FCA, who's budget is about a fiver and a mouldy old think pad in a broom cupboard, trying to police the actions of international banks with 10,000 software engineers and a functionally infinite legal budget. It's not going to happen. Now, this is, this is a standard problem of leverage, of, of applying pressure where your opponent is weak and slow to react, crucially in the case of the state. And, and we, we've seen through human history, um, going back as far as kind of the medieval Italian city-states, in fact, that very few hierarchies have ever successfully fought a network. The two models just don't really work. Hierarchies can't move as quickly, networks are more adaptable. Um, as the various kind of quasi-colonial adventures of, or outright colonial, uh, of the US and the UK in, say, Vietnam or Afghanistan or Iraq have, you know, told us over the last few years, Asymmetric warfare works. It's the the hierarchy can't fight the network. The individual can sting the flank of the elephant. All of these things we we, we know them to be true. The problem, as you identified, though, is uh, needing a network, giving you hate people, and that's fair. People are awful. 
Um, thing is, when we look at the things you can do on your own, it reveals another problem that I, I think, it's not that there aren't things you can do on your own, but this, this, this is going to uncover a few issues. It's all very well saying that one person's freedom fighter is another person's terrorist. So far, so centrist dad. No, worse than being a terrorist in the eyes of Steve from Nuneaton, who reads The Guardian mostly for the sports coverage, one person's lone bedroom-dwelling freedom fighter is, in fact, another person's fucking Reddit edgelord. Um, and I think that's the real problem, which I'm going to kind of semi-gloss over your question to attempt to engage with. In terms of things you can do um, to disrupt the state, there's actually a pretty rich, extant toolkit. Um, DDoS attacks, distributed denial of service, um, kind of attacks on websites or web services by making repeated requests that saturate its ability to comply. Um, they're pretty cheap now. You can basically buy a botnet on the dark web, and it'll only get cheaper now that every gadget dad has wired his toaster up to the internet with the default password of password or a guessable one that's either Clarkson or Total Legend 55. It, you know, it, it's botnets are cheap. Um, a relatively cheap drone will close an airport, costing corporations millions and making the government look incompetent in the news. Doesn't even have to be a real drone. Doesn't even have to be there. Um, there are Just other... leave a shopping bag downwind of Gatwick. Yeah, pretty much. Or a kite. Kites cost like a quid. And there are other restricted flight spaces as well. You could probably evacuate a government building for a few hours with, like, a hundred quids worth of toy helicopter driven by some server-side JavaScript. You can fly a drone with server-side JavaScript. You don't need to be there in practice. There used to be a conference for this called NodeCopter. Um, mailing people envelopes full of sugar will basically never get old, and it costs toss all, um, and that'll cause a fucking panic. There are, there are bleaker, nastier things that I won't dwell on, like swatting or good old-fashioned seeding malicious gossip about any given MP or CEO on Mumsnet, whatever. I, I won't dwell on these. The thing is, you, you, you see a pattern. What I'm saying here is that it's a short hop from Lone Wolf to Lone Wolf T-shirt. Since, since one of the best ways to avoid becoming a misanthropic troll who blames an SJW conspiracy for no longer being able to get it up for She-Ra is to socialise yourself and build empathy for others, we're basically right back to square one with your problem. So realistically, right, the best thing to do is to capitalise on your assets, is to kind of, well, as with asymmetric warfare, maximize your strengths in the face of your opponent. So take all of that free time you've got and um, basically use it for explicit webcamming and spend the proceeds backing other activists who are happy to talk to other people, maybe backing them on Patreon or by donating directly. There's someone out there for everyone. That's the thing. There is someone out there for everyone. And whether you look like the Willendorf Venus or a bronzed Adonis or three twiglets wearing a cock ring, there's someone out there for everyone. The internet is seething with glorious, glorious perverts of every stripe, many of them flush with cash and just as leery as you are of direct human interaction. So whatever you look like, however you feel, whatever you're into, you will find someone who will bung you a fiver on Chatterbait or Xtube, and you can just give that to Amnesty. Do you like, do you like jiggling your bits around? That's fine, they'll give you a quid. Maybe, maybe you're into something more niche. Do you, do you like making stop-motion snuff movies with Lego figures balanced on your engorged member? 
don't worry, you can charge 30 quid a pop and just pass it on to a grassroots group that's sabotaging fracking or crowdfunding an effort to pump Chris Grayling full of syphilitic hyena semen. Good, worthy causes that you can support without even getting dressed. Mr. David Convery. There is a very fine line between private citizen doing everything they can to affect change and costumed supervillain. And only one of those gets a fucking costume. So let's lean hard into that aesthetic, shall we? Because as with anything that you're going to want to do over an extended period of time, it's important to have fun. And if you can't have fun, you're not going to be able to commit and make the change that you want to see in the world and yada, yada, yada. And you might think, oh, that's a lot of work. But bear with me here. I'm going to guide you through the steps of, of picking your supervillain identity. First of all, what is it that you want to do? What is it that drives you? Because your the, the theme that you bring to your supervillainy uh, is, is going to establish the tone of what you do. And it, it's something that you are really going to want to carry through in your appearance and your actions. I'm not suggesting for the for even a moment that you go outside, by the way. People are fully expecting the supervillain trope of you appearing on every TV screen on the world simultaneously. And I'm certain that that is a technology that exists and is not complete nonsense. So bear that in mind. But what do you want to do? Lex Luthor, he wants to rule the world. So his theme as a supervillain is businessman. Dr. Doom is a man who bridles and kicks against his own limitations. So he becomes a dictator. The Joker is a horrifying, amoral psychopath. So his theme is clown. So where could you take this? Let's say you want to address climate change. You could go for a sort of poison ivy style costume with a few leaves and not much else to the imagination. Very few people can pull this off on a grainy YouTube video. And honestly, it would definitely attract attention one way or another uh, to your terrifying screeds. You get to have fun with it. The materials are cheap. It's a good time. What if you wanted to fix political corruption? You, you then are the foreman, union boss themed supervillain, obstructing work until the little man gets what's his. Plus you would get to wear one of those old timey railway workers hats. And that is just a great time. Those are cute. Perhaps you would like to attack structural sexism. Why not dress as Zaha Hadid and build a load of fanny shaped buildings everywhere? Not all of these fit a theme so easily, but if you really try, you will get there. Or consider that you might be the hero in this situation. Jacob Rees-Mogg, for example, holds a lot of power in this country, and he is clearly a supervillain themed around Victorian morality, undertakers, and genetic inadequacy. H.J. Do. This is one of those questions that comes up a lot, and I'm going to give you the benefit of the most important life lesson 
I've learned in my nearly 40 years on the planet. Just give up. Just give up. Seriously. Why bother? Why bother with anything? Just give up and let it all wash over you. Look, changing the world is hard. I mean, I mean, really, really hard. The likes of Gandhi, Martin Luther King and JFK paid with their lives for trying to turn the world into a better place. That's the wages of virtue. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is president and Jeff Bezos is philanthropically funding education in America simply because he thinks it would be really funny to then pay someone with a master's degree starvation wages to be ordered around a warehouse by a robot. If some of the greatest minds in history have failed to change the world, what chance do you have, given that you're the kind of moron who writes, who writes into a light-hearted advice podcast when things get tough? Based on your question, the only way in which you're possibly going to change the world for the better is when you die and stop consuming resources that could be better spent on almost anyone else. There's actually some research on the value that death has had as a way of changing the world. Did you know that historically one of the best things you can do to cool the climate is genocide? Some researchers now believe that the Little Ice Age of the 17th century was caused by the virtual extermination of Native Americans and the concomitant abandonment of 56 million hectares of land. Perhaps if you hang around some ducks for long enough, you'll pick up one of those new superbugs we keep hearing about and help depopulate the world to a more sustainable levels. This is literally the only way you're going to make the world a better place. It's by becoming patient zero for the next Black Death. Given that we've established that you're not going to change the world, what we're really looking at here is the blissful surrender to your own inadequacy. What you really want to do is change yourself so that you no longer notice that the globe is in the throes of a man-made and totally avoidable apocalypse, which no one really wants to deal with because who the hell wants to skip a McDonald's just because some fucking orangutan can't adapt to life in the fast lane? If God had wanted orangutans to survive and thrive, he'd have made them middle-aged white men like me, or had them evolve to develop investment portfolios. Fortunately, if there's one thing that We Will Fix You is really good at, it's hacking your brain meats. While there may be such a thing as objective reality, in practice it doesn't matter nearly as much as people would like to believe. While objective reality is a serious concern when you're falling out of a burning aeroplane, for the majority of people taking perfectly safe trips through the air, it doesn't matter whether they believe that the plane is held up by science, God, or a horde of tiny fairies making roaring noises as loudly as they can. Plenty of people believe that there's a God, and while an atheist might take issue with the idea of basing your entire life on the doings of a creature at best unknowable, at worst sociopathic, in absolute terms, the day-to-day -day life of the average religious person and the average atheist look functionally identical. They're both getting out of bed, eating breakfast, going to work, screaming internally for eight hours and then coming home. The only difference is that one of them believes they'll be rewarded for it at the end of their life, and the other thinks they're going to be forced to hang around with God forever. The religious hope that by doing exactly the same things atheists do and then apologising for it, that's somehow going to get them on his good side. What you want to do is validate your poor life choices and make it seem like they're part of some bigger plan unrolling on schedule. You want to make it seem like the world is a good and fair place. The easiest way to do that is to stop getting your news from professional sources and start getting it from governments and large corporations. Your government will almost certainly be putting out regular press releases designed to highlight the good work they're doing, 
read enough of them, and you'll be able to start thinking that the dead homeless people you have to step over on your way to work are merely the unavoidable consequences of living in the best of all possible worlds. And the same thing holds true of corporations. There are sites that will usefully aggregate press releases for journalists, enabling you to obtain the corporate narrative directly, and you can also follow them on social media to replace all of those people who've been bringing you down, like friends and family. So welcome to a never-ending flow of good news. New devices, new reward cards, one crazy trick for staying young, another jaw-dropping way to save money on your car insurance, new burgers at McDonald's, new vegan offerings at Pizza Hut, specially formulated baby powder and ways to counter bad breath, new streaming platforms and blockchain-inspired beauty products, weights will be forever lost, tummies will be forever toned, house prices will forever rise, and new investment opportunities will shower from the sky like manna. When the bomb goes up and the world ends in a blaze of screaming hatred, you will not know what complex geopolitical forces led to Armageddon, but you will know who has been crowned estate agent of the year. Actionable advice for happier living. And if you, you tender lamb also listening, would like such advice, why not write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com.